Good morning and welcome to Grace Community Fellowship this morning. Glad to see that everybody braved the cold weather to come out here this morning and hopefully you will find a warm atmosphere with amongst the brothers and sisters of Christ here. Uh, just a few announcements. Um, this week we have men's study Wednesday at 7 o'clock here at the church. If you haven't been involved and have an opportunity, it is a great time of uh, fellowship and discussion uh, talking about humility, something all of us need to grow in. Uh, looks like women's studies are going to be next, next month. And then we have um, college or career first and third Fridays, fellowship meal January 8th. And then don't forget this Saturday, December 24th, will be our Christmas Eve service here at 6 p.m. That'll be 6 p.m. here, Christmas Eve service. I'm told it's going to be a candlelight service, part of it. And then, of course, next week and then on January 1st, we'll only have second hour at 10.30. No first hour for the next two Sundays. And... Secret Sisters, there's a flyer on the back table. Today is the last day to sign up for the Secret Sisters. Uh, you can fill out those forms if you haven't and want to be involved, and you can turn it into uh, the mailboxes in the Shelley Gustafson's mailbox for Secret Sisters. That would be today's announcements. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open our service this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, help us to just grasp your holiness. Help us to be, in a sense, tremble before your mountain. To realize that you're not just the man upstairs or the buddy or the high five in Jesus. But there's a holiness here, there's a godliness here, there's a reverence that we need to have and we need to grow in. Help us, Lord, to realize this isn't something casual, but a matter of a serious, eternal circumstances. Thank you, Lord, for just being here this morning, and may your word truly penetrate deep into our heart and soul and cause us to think of a walk before a holy God causes us to think about eternity as we can get so easily sidetracked by the things of this life that are temporal. Help us to encourage one another to be that brother and sister in Christ and Lord to be that part of the body that you've called each one of us to be and be gifted to serve one another. Thank you for your many blessings on us every day. Help us to be content in those and to give praise and thanks to you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Joy. So here's a question. Was the Vikings win yesterday joy or happiness? Think about that. Happiness is something we look for. Happiness is something we desire and we pursue. It is a pleasure totally based upon external factors. Joy, though, is internal. Regardless of what has or hasn't happened in our life, happiness is not there when you face difficulty, face sadness or fear. 
Joy will bring to life peace and contentment, even in the face of unhappiness. Happiness is fleeting and can end at any moment. But joy does not rely on personal gain. What you have, what you see, or what you feel. Happiness relies on the things of life going the way that we think they should. But joy lets go of expectations. Joy lets go of perceived wants and needs. And you know, there's much more that can be said in comparison between happiness and joy. But the real question is, what about your life? Are you more dependent on happiness, or do you seek joy? And how does this work into the events of Christ's birth? How does the comparison of happiness and joy work in to Christmas joy? Well, we're going to look over that briefly, looking kind of at the who, what, when, where, but not necessarily in that order. So Christmas joy. When? When Christmas joy? Well, I think you could trace that back to Galatians 4, where the Word of God says, but when the set time had fully come, the set time, who set that time? God sent that time. When God's set time had fully come, God sent his son. That's Christmas. God sent his son, born of a woman, prophecy, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So when did it happen? At God's appointed time, this happened. Well, what happened? Well, it says that a a son was sent, born unto the woman. And it says that in Matthew 1.21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then in Luke 2, a passage that we so often read at Christmas time, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. So you think of when this happened and what happened. A son would be given and he'll save his people from their sins. How many people probably thought that's the greatest joy, that's the greatest happiness that we could have is to be saved from our sins? Can't there be more? You look at Christ when they wanted to really make him king, and why? Because he fed the 5,000. We need this guy. He can feed us. But there was so much more to it than that. He says it's going to be good news. The gospel's good news. Great joy. For who? All the people. So you have good news. Where did this happen? Well, that was even prophesied. In Micah 5, 2. City of David. Bethlehem. It says it was small among the clans of Judah. 
And who was this for? Well, Luke told us. It was for all people. All people. No one's exempt. Everyone. Everyone who's ever been born. For all people. You have when. You have what. You have where. You have for who. But why? Why did it happen? Well, he said he'll save his people from their sins. It will be great joy for that. It's a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah. He's the one that some were looking for. But salvation? Salvation, that's why. But salvation from what? Do I need to be saved? Is there something wrong with me? That's what I used to think. Oh, there's everything wrong with you, Tim. You're a sinner in the hands of you're a sinner. You've defiled God's law. And you know there's not one of us that hasn't. But it's salvation. Our sin. Our rebellion. Not only in this life, but in eternity. We can be set free from God's righteous judgment against us. So many today are called for justice, righteousness. Well, this will be true justice and righteousness. And that salvation that we can have because of this babe that was born in a manger. And then we see in Galatians 2, But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. Didn't it say that before? We were born under the law. We were kept in custody. We were bound by the law. Being confined for the faith that was destined to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ, to lead us to the Messiah, to lead us to this one born, the Savior. Why? So that we may be justified by faith. You see, we all have the same problem, just like Israel did. You go your own way, you repent, God restores, and you're back to the same old way. You go your own way, you repent, God restores you, and we're back. It's like this merry-go-round. But yet in reality, he says here, there's salvation in that. There is forgiveness because you can't get that under the law. You see, you're stuck in this pattern. Without me, there's no other way out. So we find when and what and whom and for whom. All. A great joy that's born this Christmas time. You think, well, how does this all tie together? So now how does this tie together with happiness or joy in the birth of Christ? We've looked through various passages of who, what, when, where, why, but how does this all tie together into the, the birth of Christ, the Christmas story? And you did think of the events that we talked about, the Bible passages that, that I read. And are these events only temporal, or are they not eternal? Were these events a result of mankind's pursuit? Was mankind's relationship with God happiness? Were these events dealing with an internal or an external need? If you want, you can turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 
3 through 9. Now think of the joy or happiness, the Christmas story, and the verses that we went over. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born the Savior, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, some of these words we've already heard, read in some of the verses that we've went through. Salvation, Jesus. But then what's he say? Verse 6. In this, greatly rejoice. What's this? Well, that's verses 3 through 5 that we just read. In this, greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice. Now twice he's told us that. With joy, inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So you can see how all this just from these six verses comes together to show the culmination of what transpired at Christmas time. Salvation for the souls of the need of man. And he tells us the same thing they told the shepherds. Joy, rejoice. Not only that, rejoice with joy inexpressible. And if that's not enough, you can turn over to Jude chapter 24, not chapter 24, but verses 24 and 25. We go to Jude. Jude being a half-brother of Christ, and you get to the last verses of Jude, doxology. It's a doxology that was given. It comes from the fact that doxos is praise and logos is word. So we have a praise word here that Jude gives. And think of how this ties to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. That doxology really ties up the Christmas story. It brings it all to fruition. It brings it all to culmination to the fact, this is what you once were, and because of God sending his son to be the savior, this is what you can be now. And he's able to keep you. He's able to present you before his glorious presence. How? Without fault? Really? Me? Without fault? How can it be? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? To the only God, to the only God, our Savior. Wasn't the Savior born in Bethlehem, the Christmas story? 
be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ our Lord. How long? Through all ages, now and forevermore. You see, the joy that truly results in the Christmas story is the birth of the Savior. It is what happened. This made true joy possible. Many people today singing Christmas hymns and songs have no clue what some of those words are even talking about. But aren't you thankful that God opened your eyes to know this great joy from Jude 24 and 25? You see, all joy, all real and true joy pertains to God, who he is, and our salvation. That's something to rejoice about. You know, even when there's things in life that do cause sadness, just because we're, we're to have joy doesn't mean there can also be sadness and heartache in life. But you have to look at the eternal. You have to look what's always out there. For the unbeliever, it's a hopeless end. For the believer, it's an endless hope. 